Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Sandy Garasino, journalist with the National Observer. Welcome back to Shortcuts. Nice to be here, Jesse. So nice to reconnect at long last. It's been a long time. It's been too long. Today on the show, what Mary Berg did. And, shit, we got to finally figure out how to cover Trump. Welcome back to Shortcuts, where we talk shit about the news. This episode is brought to everybody by Jessica Darling, Blair Antcliffe, Dernian Joseph, Kelty Forsyth, Scott Aitchison, Sarah White, Justin Chandler, and Megan. Hello. I'm Megan, and I'm a grad student living in Hamilton, Ontario. I support Canada Land because I think you're doing amazing work. I loved your episode on radical reconciliation, and I love the way you folks hold media and governments accountable. Sandy, can you believe what Mary Berg did? I can't believe what Mary Berg did. Tell me, Jesse, what did Mary Berg do? I mean, I'm looking at these ads that have been all over Twitter and all over YouTube. I mean, they have been all over Twitter to the extent that she was a trending topic. Mary Berg's statement shocked everyone. Mary Berg's fatal mistake. Discover what happened next. And here she is sitting next to CTV anchor Omar Sashadina. What 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 did she do? Here she is being being like hauled off by a cop. Mary Berg, I'm ashamed of what I did. Mary Berg's career is over. 
after her on-air remarks. This is like a global scandal, says this other one. And here she is again being like, this is like a different police officer. Was she arrested twice? What did Mary Berg do? Mary, Mary, Mary. Mary Berg. And for that matter, who is Mary Berg? Because I'd never heard of her before. Seeing my my social media feeds are filled with these images of her being hauled away by the cops. Well, here in Canada land, Sandy, we are... Canada's most wanted. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, this is serious <laughs> stuff. And we are, you know, this is our beat here. You know, if there's a Canadian media figure who is involved in scandal, we want to get to the bottom of it. So I have done a deep dive into what Mary Berg did. And Mary Berg, the winner of MasterChef Canada season six and host of a number of, uh, of, of shows, she's crossed over recently to uh, the Food Network in the United States. Adorable, cute as a button, redheaded food personality, Mary Berg. I'm going to eat a lot of soup today. Look at that gnocchi pile. Mary Berg, you learn something new in the kitchen every day. From what I can tell, the worst thing that she's done is fill a croissant with ricotta and call it a cannoli, which, I, to be fair, is well, something you can get arrested for well, in Italy or France. You know, uh, that's, that's, she's skating pretty close to the edge there, I gotta say. All right, what the hell are we talking about and what the hell is going on here? I think a lot of people will be like, yeah, I saw those ads too, because this was everywhere. These are fake ads. Mary Berg is the latest victim of this trend in spam advertising where, I don't know, maybe this is happening in the States to American media personalities, but here we've seen Omar Sashadina, we've seen uh, Amanda Lang. In fact, Amanda Lang is currently in a bunch of ads. Interview interrupted after 15 minutes. She revealed a state secret. Click through to find out. Uh, it may be the end of her career. We, we've talked about this before. And in fact, with Omar Sashadina, they actually created deep fake video of him mm-hmm. selling some shady cannabis product. And the the Mary Berg one just seems to be like more than we've ever seen before. And when you click through, and out of curiosity, my colleagues did click through, you find yourself on like some crypto, I'm going to call it a crypto scam site because the very fact that you were misled to click on it is, mm-hmm. is a level of fraud. I'm a little bit doubtful that it's a squeaky clean crypto product that's being offered on the other end, but uh, haven't done mm-hmm. that research. If you look at the about this advertiser stuff, it says advertiser has not verified their identity yet. Blake Babcock, location India. Very dubious. What do you make of of this advertising format and its like recent dominance, Sandy? Well, it's interesting because for whatever reason, I had not seen the Mary Berg ads, but I mentioned this to my husband and he goes, yeah, what's going on with that? I'm seeing that everywhere. So apparently, I don't know what I've done to my settings, but I'm not seeing those ads. But apparently it's true. They are blanketing social media. And the fact that, first of all, they are defamatory. They are a smear. They're they're dishonest in smearing Mary Berg. There are other examples of things like this. I noticed that NBC has reported that Google and Bing were putting non-consensual deepfake porn involving celebrities at the top of some of their search results. This was reported just the other day. And there are lawyers who are starting to really go after this kind of thing. I note that the social media site Omegle recently was sued basically into oblivion and has has now collapsed and failed as a result of lawsuits. Lawsuits, especially in the United States, but generally 
by people like if Mary Berg were going to sue, typically a lot of those lawsuits have tended to fail because of something called Section 230, which people in media know, but a lot of the public don't, which gives pretty much blanket immunity to social media sites for anything that appears on their websites. However, in this case, social media sites, whether it's YouTube or Twitter or any of these other sites that are actually monetizing this defamation, I think that there's potential real cause of action. And lawyers have started to really chip away at those protections. And a lot of this litigation is really getting going. So I think that this is a flag. If I were, say, Linda Yaccarino at Twitter, which I will call Twitter, or if I were in advertising sales at Google, YouTube, Instagram, and I was monetizing any of this kind of stuff, I would be flagging this because it's it's obviously bad. It's, it's also dishonest. It's a scam. It's promoting fraud. It's defamatory. But it's also a danger if you are monetizing this, not just that you're hosting this content. Now you're actually making money from this content. And I think that there's a real legal risk here. And I sure hope that Mary Berg and people like her sue these platforms, take them for all they can get out of them, because this is this is really a nasty, nasty new low. I wouldn't mind if Mary Berg sued Elon Musk for uh, everything she could get for these. And I think that the fact that they're taking money, it's not simply the usual dumb pipe argument of like, hey, we're not responsible for what people post on Twitter. Yeah. Well, you're responsible for the the messages that you have taken cash for and you have propagated them to the point where was this a top trending And topic. you're promoting them. That's right. You're promoting them for money. And, you know, one of the main things that came out of this is there's always been a lot of spam on, on Twitter. I'm wondering how cheap is our ads on Twitter now that Musk has, has tanked it to the point where, you know, this is bottom of the barrel fraudulent advertising. And it's just absolutely glutting our feeds to the point where it was a trending topic, though. I don't know how much credibility we can give that because maybe the buying ads on Twitter, you also buy yourself algorithmic favor on their trending topics. Who knows at this point? It's all a black box. But it did make me think like, wow, their advertising system is incredibly broken. But, you know, can't, can't just blame Musk for that because it's, it's all over YouTube as well. I will split this hair. And, you know, I'll say this first. This is terrible for, for Mary Berg. Like, you know, I was having a, a bit, bit of fun earlier because it's so ridiculous. And this bad Photoshop of her being let off by cops. I mean, it's, it's so silly. But if you are the recipient of this, the experience must be terrible. Terrible. Everybody's seeing these images and everybody asking, and I'm sure your relatives calling you and saying, what happened? And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a pleasant thing and that's real. But Sandy, you are a lawyer. Is this defamatory? Yes. I mean, I know a little bit. It's, first of all, it's, it's, it's false and it says you're being arrested. And it's being spread all over social media, which, by the way, these are the main sites that, that most eyeballs are going to. I mean, the average person is not like you, me, or our listeners, Jesse Brown. The average person is just out there, you know, coasting around on TikTok, YouTube, and, and they're seeing all this stuff. And they're not following Canada Land and, or any of the coverage. They're not seeing, they don't know anything. What they see of Mary Berg is that she's some kind of most wanted criminal in Canada. Yes, that's defamatory, in my opinion. I have a curiosity and an interest in, in, in the limits of defamation. And I also am really curious about just clickbait. And it's interesting to me because I know that Canadians tend to be a lot more interested in American personalities. And I guess Mary Berg is starting to cross over into the Food Network. But it's interesting to me that these bits of social media content 
look very algorithmic to me. They look very, you know, and I know yeah. a bit about how yeah. click, clickbait works and you try a bunch of stuff and you you try different personalities and you see which ones, like why Mary Berg? Why are they picking on Mary Berg? And some people here thought like, this this feels personal. Like maybe somebody's got like a personal vendetta against her. Maybe this is some ex of hers or something. I don't think so. When I look at these, I see, I wouldn't be surprised if like a machine spat these out, like tried out 20 different personalities and went through a bunch of different Photoshop images. And this was the one that people were, we're most interested in for all of those weird, what makes a song a hit? What makes a clickbait ad a hit? Like something about the way Mary Berg looks and her squeaky clean image and uh, her very expressive face. And then juxtapose that with the cops leading her away. And then it seemed to me that the, the way these ads are constructed was very deliberately to skirt the edge of defamation because it doesn't say anywhere that she's being arrested. It, it says, I'm ashamed of what I did, says Mary Berg. And her career is over. And then there's an image of her being led away. And, I, you know, images, I'm not sure what the case history uh, is. I, no, 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 no. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's very clear. The innuendo is very clear. And innuendo is part, is part of defamation. You're showing someone being led away in handcuffs. That's especially when it's Photoshop and it's fraud. So this is, this is a manufactured photograph to give the viewer the clear information that this person's been arrested. I, I, yeah. I hope that you are right, and I hope that they get Blake Babcock of India. There's no Blake Babcock of India. This is all just fraud. No, <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm with you, Sandy. I think that this is going to be interesting because the advertiser here may not be findable. It might be like layer upon layer of scam. But the fact that both Google and Twitter took the money means that yeah. they might be on the hook. And it would be really interesting to follow this if Mary Berg does sue them because, like, there is there is a, a, a traceable, findable, deep-pocketed party here who has been hurting her, mm -hmm. who has been hurting her by publishing these things and spreading them. So I think the real question here, Jesse, is especially as we're starting to see the collapse of traditional media platforms and then the rise and really the the almost supremacy of the social media platforms and the and the online media platforms and you know we kind of have emerged we're, we've entered a new era we used to give all these platforms a pass there was the immunity rendered by uh, the American legislation this section 230 of the Communications Decency Act which did grant pretty widespread immunity, that is being uh, systematically chipped away. And you start to see people like Alex Jones being subject to massive, massive damage awards mm -hmm. by the Sandy Hook parents. Omega has been taken down. Lawyers are finding their way in to get past this veil of immunity, and they are going after the platforms themselves, and I think this is a perfect example. This and things like the deepfake porn, if it's, if it's not just sort of user-generated content, but it's actually monetized content that is making money for these platforms, that's, I think... They're in real trouble, and Godspeed. I've been talking about this for over 10 years now. For almost, for 12 years, I've been talking about getting after these platforms. And now as we're getting into the AI period, I think we're going to start to see some real responses. I pray and hope mm -hmm. that we start to see some real responses. The AI thing does make it interesting, and, and I, I would love to know exactly how these things are generated and if this was just robots on their own, spinning through every variation and finding, you know, because you yeah. use data sets. Most likely. Somebody like Mary Berg, there's a lot of footage online. So that's, you know, and, and you probably run that against 20 other personalities and see which ones work. 
I want to hear from Mary Berg about this, and I think it's 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 awful that this is kind of like I can understand why she's just not talking about it. But we did reach out to her PR firm, and Bell Media got back in touch with us and said they're aware of the issue. They they encourage social media users to remain vigilant against these deceptive ads and report suspicious content to the platform they're using. They didn't provide any additional comment. We'll do our part here on Canada Land when we see well-known Canadian media personalities shilling for really dubious, shady products. We will dig into it. And here's one last clip that I want to leave people with. Peter, 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 we have quite a few questions about retirement. Asking yourself the right questions leads to the right answers. Were you truly ready to hang it all up? Retirement's not an ending. It's an opportunity. Care to elaborate? You can find new purpose, passions, financial possibilities. It can be whatever you choose to make it. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. Ask yourself what the Chip Reverse Mortgage can do for you. Sandy, uh, people can't see that listening to the podcast, but that uh, very weird, dubious-looking AI stuff happening. Peter Mansbridge is is, uh, giving a press conference on these reverse mortgages where people can sell away equity in their own homes. And the audience who are grilling him, they're journalists who are asking him these tough questions. It's an audience of Peter Mansbridges. It looks like an AI-generated audience of Peter Mansbridges. It looks very dubious and shady. Well, we've we've looked into this, and we can tell you uh, those are legit. That is Peter Mansbridge shilling for a reverse mortgage uh, product. (laughs) In fact, uh, Pastor Mansbridge has been hired by uh, Chip Reverse Mortgages as they're, they're calling him a consultant. You know, Kevin Newman came out and said, you know, Peter Mansbridge has given a lot of speeches about the dangers of fake news. And it's uh, suggested that this is hypocritical of him to be using his credibility as a news personality. Basically, play acting as a journalist a- asking tough questions doesn't help the fake news case. I, I got to say, I can't go with Kevin Newman on that because, like, Mansbridge would have to— He'd have to have credibility to lose. And the very first scoop the Canada Land ever reported was uh, Peter Mansbridge taking money from the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, uh, fairly secretly, nobody knew about this, while he was covering the oil sands as the, as the anchor of the Nationals. So don't hate the player, hate the game. Peter Mansbridge, in addition to his half a million dollar a year pension from the CBC, which we know about also from Canada Land reporting, God knows how much he's getting uh, for selling reverse mortgages to boomers. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm going to uh, push back on this a little bit. Please, Jesse. that's uh, you know, why we want you here. As important and and seminal and influential as Canada land is, I don't think that we have really taken down the reputation of, uh, or you have taken down the reputation of Peter Mansbridge. I think he is still a beloved and respected and influential figure. And I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Sandy, this episode is brought to everybody by Article. They make honest-to-goodness high-quality furniture, very stylish furniture for surprisingly great prices. And thanks to their online-only model, they are able to offer great deals on their stuff. I have bought an Article, big sectional for a family member. I've bought Article. They're based in Vancouver, so I like Article. As do I. Um, we have been um, fixing up the office here, and we have uh, a lot of their stuff here. And it's it's just, honest to goodness, good quality furniture that looks great. It is going to last. You're going to enjoy having it in your home or workplace. I have it in both. 
Article is offering a great deal for listeners who want to try this out. The whole experience is really, really good. 50 bucks off your first purchase of $100 or more. There's stuff on there that's like 100 bucks, so that's like half off. To claim, visit article.com slash CanadaLand, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash CanadaLand for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Sandy, it's been a minute, but you know how things work over here. We duly note stories that we think people might otherwise miss and should not miss. I'm going to kick this off with one that hits a bit close to home because Brandy Marin, who has filed a couple of wonderful stories for us, people might remember her story on the orcas and their connection to First Nations in British Columbia and how their habitat is being destroyed and another story she did on Wood Buffalo National Park. I'm talking about Brandy Marin because she has been arrested for doing journalism, for committing journalism. And a crucial, I think, story, it is freezing cold in parts of Canada right now. And she was doing the work of talking to people in a homeless encampment in Edmonton who are facing, I think, lethal temperature situations. And the authorities who are asking them to, like, you know, take your tent encampment away. We're just going to clean up. You can bring it back. And then everyone was shocked and surprised. I think I don't think Brandy knew the cops were going to crack down. She was just interviewing residents of this encampment when the cops came. And they arrested her to Edmonton Police Service on January 10th, arrested her. She was charged with a criminal offense of obstructing a police officer. She's an award-winning journalist. We need journalists like Brandy to tell stories like this. She was like supposed to pick up her five-year-old and instead was in cuffs. And this is like, I think a fear like the journalists have just in doing our jobs, we may find ourselves in situations like this. And we've been hearing a lot about certain journalists uh, and their trouble with the cops and that's all well and good. But this is the journalist who I think people need to know more about. And it's it's egregious. It shouldn't be happening. I'm glad to see you casting light on this. I, mean, I think that journalism is under enormous pressure and the business of, you know, using the state apparatus to control journalism is very concerning. And I'm and I'm glad to see the, the Brandy Moran issue get more airtime. So duly noted. Sandy, do you have something to duly note? I do. Having grown up in Alberta, I would like to note the retirement, the announced retirement of Rachel Notley, who is an enormously influential figure in Western Canada, I think in Canada in general. I don't know that very many people outside Alberta or in central Canada in the East really understand how revolutionary a figure she is in Alberta politics. She leaves the Alberta political stage with enormous credibility and and a tremendous record. She was able to form a government. And you know, the amazing thing, Alberta has always gone as a monolith. It generally votes as a monolith. You see this in federal elections. It's almost entirely conservatives, and if not entirely conservatives this time. It has done that provincially as well. It used to be all social credit, and then the conservatives came along. It was all conservatives, and then they had their divisions, which led to the formation of the NDP government. But as a result of that, it for the first time, Alberta has has a serious opposition party, which they have never had before. 
But I think that her political fate in Alberta would be very different if world energy prices had not collapsed during the period that she formed government and the oil and gas industry had not gone to such an extreme auto automation, which resulted in the loss of tens of thousands of Alberta jobs. I think she is very respected in the Alberta political context, respected nationally, and I hope we have not seen the end of Rachel Notley. I think she still has a lot to offer this country. Salute to you, Rachel Notley. Sad to see you go. It sounds like you know something. You know people. You you talk to people. Is she nah, is she gonna no. be is she gonna be challenging Jagmeet Singh for leadership of the federal NDP? I don't actually know anything, but I, you know, I, I, I go on Twitter. I see what many people are saying. I, I don't even want to say that. People are saying huge future for Rachel. I know nothing. I don't even know if she speaks French. So who knows? But she's too good to end now. Duly noted. Duly noted. One last one for me here. This is a global news report. Department of National Defense wants to hire journalists for role playing. <laughs> <laughs> People say there's no new jobs in journalism. Check this out. Uh, they want to hire two journalists for role-playing services. No, it's not a sex thing, as far as I know. They want to prepare military spokespeople to handle challenging questions for the media. These are two 36-month contracts for consulting services and expertise to simulate media interviews. My goodness. So according to the online job post, the Department of National Defense is looking for two journalists who have experience uh, uh, working with a national level broadcaster or print publication so that their military spokespeople can have mock role playing experiences. They would pretend to deliver TV and radio interviews, news conferences with Department of National Defense spokespeople asked challenging questions and given the opportunity to play act, providing a debriefing or feedback session. So negotiating in an interview are the skills they're trying to build, developing messages. They'll have to ask them hypothetical questions, opinion questions, the silent treatment. <laughs> this is wonderful. This is the future for journalism. What self-respecting journalist would play act the role, would pretend to ask tough questions? I think Peter Mansbridge might be available. Jesse Brown. Is this a setup for this for your closing line? I think this whole thing was a setup <laughs> for your closing line. <laughs> I don't know. The comedy is it kind of kind of writes itself, and and there's going to be a lot of journalists who are looking for work. But I don't think you can be a journalist and at the same time do contract work for of this kind. They can't afford them anyhow. You get you get the you get the last word here, Sandy. Duly noted. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does 
BetterHelp. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Breaking tonight, Donald Trump's first big win in his bid to return to the White House. Iowa Republican voters have made their choice clear for the presidential nominee. I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time. And most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. So what should Canadians be watching for as this race gets underway? What should Canadians be watching for when it comes to Trump? Well, here are the headlines. Almost two-thirds of Canadians say U.S. democracy can't survive another Trump term, according to a poll reported in The Hill. National Post, Trump is more popular among Canadians than Trudeau. Okay, it's a different poll. Hill Times, Trump 2.0 would be a high risk for Canada. Won't be easy, says Trudeau. Trudeau is weighed in. It won't be Okay, if Trump wins, it won't be easy, says the Prime Minister. National Observer says if Trump is reelected, Canada will pay a high price. Canadian media all over Trump. Sandy, have we learned nothing about covering this guy? And, and I want to clarify, I, I don't mean that in a moralizing way of like, ah, none of you have learned anything. I'm asking that in earnest. I can't remember what I learned. I, I must have engaged in a dozen conversations about what we should learn from the Trump experience and how media needs to reform its practices. And, 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 you know, he kind of disappeared from consciousness for a while and now he's back. And I'm like, what, what were those lessons? Have we learned anything about covering this guy? Well, I don't think that we have, but I also think that the environment has, has changed significantly. This guy is eight, nine years older than he was when he, you know, ran for the nomination back in 2015. First of all, it just goes without saying, the fire hose of corruption, abuse, abuse of the judicial system, abuse of just about everything that this man can get his hands on, the danger that he poses to the to America, to democracies in general, to women minorities, and the rules-based institutions of the post-war world, NATO, everything that we know hangs in the balance and at the same time. But there's also, I think, a very changed environment, which is I think that people are tired of it all. And I don't know, I, I think in some ways that's, that's one of the biggest challenges that the media faces. People, again, people like you and me, Jesse, we're watching the news all the time. We follow it. I think I'm exhausted by it. And it's very interesting. The Iowa caucuses, uh, they're, 
their ratings share was down phenomenally. And I think one of the biggest things that, that all of us have to understand, and things have changed a lot since 2015, is, the, again, the collapse not only of the news and journalism industry, but of the old media as we knew it. 93% of the top-rated programming in the United States in 2023 was NFL football. Uh-huh. Wow, wow were watching a playoffs game and not watching the Iowa caucus and not watching, by the way, the Emmys. So, and, and for the first time, streaming, whether it's Netflix, YouTube, TikTok, streaming media has overtaken not just news, but has overtaken like regular programming of what they call linear broadcast. So what we're seeing is a very, very changed environment. And one of the things that I think is really key for listeners and for for the public, the American public, and for us in general, all of us in general, is that, you know, news networks are desperate for viewers and news platforms are desperate for content. And the one thing that Donald Trump has always promised and always delivered is eyeballs. And that is an inherent and deep conflict of interest because as much as, you know, journalists and a lot of people don't want to see someone who really does pose a genuine threat to our institutions and not just in America, to Canada and to the world, is that as much as everybody might decry this and be concerned about it, it's good for the media business, or at least it appears to be good for the media business. And I think that is one of the key things that we have to be mindful of and watch out for is the sheer hunger of the news industry for something that will grab people's eyeballs from Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift and all of that nonsense that's going on. All of this is in play and, and it and it's it's we have to recognize that it's a different world than the one that we debated about in 2015, 2016, because the, the lessons of that and, and looking at this coverage, you know, I'm, I'm I'm doing my old thing and going through the good and the bad. And CNN is covering his acceptance speech in Iowa. They fade down and the anchor comes on and says, well, underneath me, Trump is launching into his anti-immigrant rhetoric. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring thing. victory with a historically a strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. Here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. I'm like, OK, here's the old tension. You know, this is reality. Yeah. He won. We have to cover it. We don't get to choose what's real. The border, the border, the yeah. invading horse. But we've learned from before and we don't have to uh, amplify all of his claims. And, you know, we, we, CNN taking responsibility for sort of making him in the first place with their wall-to-wall coverage. And it seems like they've learned a little lesson there. And then, and then Canadian media not learning lessons because, you know, when you're reporting on polls, you're kind of just reporting a fabricated news story, you know. And then the polls can say, obviously, whatever we want them to say because here's one poll that says that two-thirds of Canadians – say that U.S. democracy can't survive Trump. And then there's another poll that says that Trump is more popular among Canadians than Trudeau. So obviously there's different interests fueling these polls. But don't you know that we're not even a free country anymore, Jesse? Don't you know that? Well, because I read the National Post, I'm aware of that. The, the point being that here's the media going like, you know, you, you didn't need to cover this poll that like this. This was obviously just an excuse to have a Trump headline. But all of this yes. is moot and all of this misses Again. the point. The whole narrative has moved onto another plane. I think that we thought 
you know, we reached the saturation point and, and Trump went from being just like an unavoidable daily headline to like, he disappeared from mainstream media for a while. Yeah. And he just, yes, he, he was, he was banished from, from Twitter. And, and for a while I was like, oh, oh, ding dong, the witch is dead. And we thought like, okay, we've learned our lessons from having created a monster and now we'll just never say his name again. Well, guess what? Everything he's been doing uh, on truth social, everything he's been doing with his base, everything that he's been doing within the Republican party and through this one thing that formed through the Trump years and beforehand was this incredibly powerful network of conservative media that that needs nothing from mainstream media. Mm-hmm. It's a moot debate of, of are we platforming him? Should we not be talking about him because that will make him stronger? Well, he's going to be the nominee, so that ship has sailed. Yeah, the horse has left the stable and is wandering through the hospital still. Where that leaves me, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I still don't know how to cover this and how to find the Canadian relevance in a way that is not, I can live without the clicks if, if, if Trump is still good for clicks, but it is obviously relevant to what's going to happen in Canada in our coming election. I mean, I don't know what the thinking is with Trudeau saying beforehand, if this guy wins, it's going to be a problem. Like that's not like, doesn't strike me as great diplomacy. Cause like Whatever happens in the States, the prime minister has to work with that president. None of that matters. It Jesse. might matter a little. That it it might matter. Here's like, do we really want this? Do you think, do you seriously think, do you seriously think that Donald Trump is going to be nicer to Justin Trudeau? Justin Trudeau is going to be Donald Trump's biggest punching bag, apart from, you know, whoever, E. Jean Carroll and all of these other people and whoever the judges are that are sitting on the on the cases that he's Justin Trudeau is a is a is a perfect foil for Donald Trump and he's going to use it. So I don't think it makes a really a, it doesn't make a shade of different, not a wit, I don't think. Well, I think for the exact same reason, it was a bad idea for Trudeau because Donald Trump Jr., like, like, do we really need to play into this ridiculous wrestling match they're trying to engage us in? They're casting us as this. Here's Donald Trump Jr. on Twitter. Canada is jailing journalists. I don't think he's referring to Brandy Morin. Canada is jailing journalists, locking up peaceful protesters, forcing fealty to insane gender ideology, barely penalizing rapists, and countless other ridiculous totalitarian policies. They may want to sit this one out says Donald Trump Jr. in reference to the Hills poll about Canadians saying that U.S. democracy is in danger because of Trump. So we obviously play a important rhetorical device for MAGA country. As you say, we're a punching bag. Do we need our prime minister being like, yes, let me fight you? I don't care. I don't care. Jesse, I don't care. This man is so dangerous and he is so bad and it's not going to make any difference. And I'm it's, it's just fine with me. It means nothing to me that Justin Trudeau is because it, it's not going to it's not going to make it. It's not going to make any difference at all. Sandy, we have to actually recognize our unfortunate position as a declining middle power. And if Trump wins, which he fucking well might. And then we have yes. and then we have an election where Canadian voters have to decide if they want the guy who Trump dunks on every chance he gets and is in no mood to cut any deals with mm-hmm. or make look good in any way or the other guy. And I don't know yeah. what 
purpose is served by Trudeau playing into the me versus Trump dynamic. Nobody's going to remember it by the time 2025 rolls around. I'm sure Polyev will remind us in his advertising. He will, but there there will be all kinds of other stuff. I promise you by 2025, we are not going to be talking about this. All right. The memory of, of the Canadian voter is so poor and their intelligence is so low that this was not another foreign interest mistake by the prime minister. We'll have to disagree about that. Sandy Garasino, it's great to have you back. Thank you. That is Shortcuts for this week. Thanks very much, Jesse. Nice to be here again. I can be emailed at jesse at canadaland.com, and I read everything that our listeners send in. Sandy Garasino, where can people find you? Jesse, I'm not writing so much for the National Observer anymore, but I do have a project in the works that I'm hoping that people will be seeing in the next uh, few weeks or a couple of months. So on the National Observer. So, But otherwise, people can find me on Twitter. Uh, and I do call it Twitter, at Garasino on Twitter. Who would ever call it anything else? That's right. This episode is produced by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Caleb Thompson. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofor. Our editor-in-chief is Karen Pugliese. Our theme music is by so-called syndications by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Listeners, if you value the work that we do here, if this podcast is something that informs you and engages you, please support it. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. And as a supporter, you'll get premium access to all of our shows ad-free, early releases, bonus content, our exclusive newsletter, discounts on our merch, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events across the country. More than anything, you will become a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis. You'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Here's how you do it. Click on the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. It's a no-brainer, canadaland.com slash join. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.